Food Heals Nation, what have you been doing lately when it comes to truly caring for your skin? Have you tried any of the light therapy facials or the LED masks? I've shared on this show how I use lasers to completely remove my brown spots in the past, and I love anything that can help me with wrinkles or blemishes or redness or scars. I find a lot of great products on YouTube that I test out, and I've just discovered a new brand. It's called Lima, and when you see the before and afters on YouTube, you're going to be a convert too. They are changing the way that you care for your skin on actually a profoundly scientific level. This is the Lima Laser. It's the world's most powerful clinic-grade cosmetic laser device and the only laser FDA cleared for at-home use. Why this is important is because I was spending, I'm not going to tell you how much, way too much money years ago when I was getting rid of those brown spots when I was really healing my skin, and now... This same type of technology is available at home, and I'm here for it. I am so excited. So this is a near-infrared laser light that penetrates deep into the dermis, simultaneously working on your fat, muscle, and bone to give you like a non-surgical facelift. It transforms your skin. It helps skin issues like wrinkles, sagging, blemishes, pigmentation, redness, breakouts, and scars. And it does this with zero damage, zero pain, and zero downtime. And I remember the lasers that I used to do, they did have some downtime, so this is great. Make sure to check out some of the before and after photos on the website so you can see what I'm talking about. They have YouTube videos too. But the reason it's groundbreaking is it uses that near-infrared low-level light technology, which is completely cold and painless, and it's 100 times more powerful than an LED. And the craziest part is you can even use it with a full face of makeup. So check it out for yourself. Visit lima.life. L is for live. Y is for younger. M is for masterful. A is for approved, and learn more about the Lima Laser. If you're interested in trying one today, you can sign up for their newsletter. Tell them that Food Heals sent you, and please let me know if you order one. I want to hear about your results. Again, it's lima.life, L-Y-M-A dot life. Y'all, oh my God, Food Heals Nation, I just got the softest sheets and pajama set from Cozy Earth, and I had to go and get you a discount code too, so that you could experience the coziness as well. You can visit CozyEarth.com, use the promo code FOODHEALS, and you'll get an exclusive 35% off. So Cozy Earth, it's like your one-stop shop for what they call the luxury she deserves. So listen up, guys because this could make a great gift for that special someone, your girlfriend, your wife, the mother in your life. And don't forget, Mother's Day will be here before we know it. So get a gift for the mom or moms. Here's a nice little gift you could ask for. Anyways, let's start with the sheets to transform your sleep. The coolest thing about Cozy Earth Bedding is that it is temperature regulating. So you stay cool, which is so important when you're sleeping. Plus they are just so soft. It feels like I'm sleeping on a cloud. Plus I love the cozy earth quality and longevity promise. All products come with a 100 night sleep trial and a 10 year warranty. So incorporating cozy earth products into your self-care routine can enhance your sleep quality and just overall wellness. So Again, this is the luxury you deserve. You can treat yourself to the ultimate in comfort and indulgence with Cozy Earth bedding and sleepwear and prioritize your self-care and sleep health. And while you're at it, don't forget to check out the Bamboo Pajama Set. It was awarded Oprah's Favorite Things in 2019, so you know it's good. I love the softness and breathability of the fabric, and it has these really great side pockets. And don't forget that by supporting our sponsors, you support this show. Head over to CozyEarth.com, use the promo code FOODHEALS for an exclusive 35% off, and go get your mom the luxury she deserves on Mother's Day at CozyEarth.com with promo code Food Heals. Food Heals Podcast, episode 134. A lot of people feel very worthless, and I always break down that word as there is nobody who is worth less than someone else. So the person that you look up to has no more worth than you, and you have no less worth than them. Holistic Voice presents the Food Heals Podcast with your hosts, Alison Melody and Susie Hardy. 
Join the Food Heals Nation and learn the secrets to go from feeling unwell to healing yourself. Warning, side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, an increase in sexual activity, feelings of joy, cravings for kale and quinoa, and a spike in Tinder matches. In real cases, women have experienced a strong desire to stop asking their boyfriends if they look fat and stress. If you experience any of these symptoms, post a selfie to Instagram immediately. All right, welcome Food Heals Nation. Thanks for joining us. I'm Allison Melody. And I'm Susie Hardy. Today's guest is Drew Reinowitz, an internationally recognized recording artist and top six finalist fan favorite on the debut season of The X Factor. Soon after The X Factor, Drew released her five-track debut EP, Hello, It's Me. The EP was recorded live in Los Angeles and featured two original songs, a cover of Justin Bieber's Baby and two Christmas songs. The EP quickly rose to the iTunes charts in one day, reaching number eight on the pop albums chart without a label, backing, or promotion. That's pretty incredible. Pretty impressive. Drew spent the following years building her brand and performing and writing new music. In early 2015, she was invited to speak at TEDx, where she shared her story of brutal rejection, and she walked her listeners through the haunting memories of sitting alone in her room, reading hateful, gut-wrenching comments that truly made her feel worthless. Overcoming many challenges along the way, Drew now teaches people how to be unafraid to pursue their wildest dreams. A recognized anti-bullying advocate, Drew is on a mission to change the world with more than just her music. The Food Hills Podcast starts now. You know you love me, I know you care, just stop whenever. And I was like, baby, 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 oh, and baby, 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 no, and baby, 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 I thought you'd always be mine. So that was Drew singing a beautiful cover of Justin Bieber's Baby. I really loved her cover. I know, it's good. It's better than I mean, than I liked Bieber's. it more than Justin Bieber's. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Drew has become a powerful face of the All-Star Nation Tour, the nation's premier concert-based anti-bullying program. She has performed at nearly 100 concerts with the tour, singing and speaking to nearly 120,000 students, thousands of whom are now active fans. Through her testimony, Drew challenges people to live ridiculously, embracing life to its fullest while overcoming the reality of rejection. Welcome, Drew. Welcome, Drew. Hey, guys. Thanks for having me. We're so glad to have you. Thanks for being here. Thanks for being here. Yes, I'm glad to be here. So how did this all start? Because we know you're an anti-bullying advocate. You're this huge singer with an amazing voice. We know Roxy has produced some of your songs. Beautiful voice. So stunning. So tell us, how did you get started? Well, I usually start with that I wasn't really good at anything as a kid. I was pretty clumsy and I mean, kind of a dork. And there was only one thing that I was always sure of. And that was music, which it sounds cheesy when you look back on it. But any musician will tell you that music is the one thing that they were always 100% confident in. It was the one thing that was my escape from being the dorky kid that I was. So at 14, I decided to take the big leap and coming from a small town, it was a huge leap. And I auditioned for the TV show, The X Factor, ended up making it to the top six, ended up singing with um, Justin Bieber and totally watched my dream unfold in front of the entire world, which was not what you expect. You know, at 14, no. I just wanted I just wanted to sing. <laughs> I was just preparing myself. Just I wanted to be on stage. And that was pretty much the goal. And of course, the goal exceeded itself. And here I am today, uh, songwriting and living in Nashville and uh, performing on the big stage pretty much full time. So it's crazy how it all just happened. And what was that like for you being so young yeah. and having, uh, I mean, being, being put in front of the world on television and having success? What was that like? I'm pretty grateful that I did it young. A lot of people um, have different opinions on uh, child stars and different stuff like that. But I really think it was to my advantage that I was young because I didn't have time to overthink it. I didn't live enough of a life beforehand to think about what could go wrong or what will people think about me. I was pretty much just blindly going into it. And I think that that helped me just being young and just 
it's, I mean, just the innocence that came with, you know, being only 14, it helped me, uh, just to be able to be who I was and not have the fear that the world might not like me. Uh, of course, you know, that turned into me growing up before the world's very eyes right. and, and later on dealing with, um, pretty big cyberbullying. But I think that it was to my advantage being on live TV, not really realizing that I was on live TV. Yeah, because I almost think at that age, in a lot of cases, I mean, it is kind of an awkward phase in your life, but you also kind of have no shame. Like, I feel like I didn't start caring so much what other people thought and all the BS that comes with high school until I was like, older really. I did you yeah did. I would not have been able to do that at 14 so I gave kudos to yeah, you yeah I mean it's I amazing mean, regardless yeah I mean everybody has a different stages of involvement in terms of their uh, emotional psychological structure I uh-huh. guess and yeah I was no I would have been way too uh for, for that kind of level national yeah. television with Simon you know I was we, we were watching um I guess this first time you sang in front of them and when I saw Simon's reaction to your voice I was like oh yeah (laughs) yeah if Simon likes it you know you're on to something so okay we have to ask you about that so tell us what did Simon think of you well that was my goal with going for the x factor instead of you know the other shows that were out at the time my Mm -hmm. goal was to meet Simon reason being that Simon is pretty much the most honest person you could ever perform for so brutally honest (laughs) so I went on the show with with knowing that whatever he was going to say about me was going to be pretty much the truth so if he said I was bad I knew that you know at 14 I was going to have to turn my life around which wouldn't be too hard um, and probably find another you know another avenue to live my life but that if he said that I was good then I knew that music was going to be the career for the rest of my life so I, I put a lot of trust in Simon um, partially knowing that he liked artists that had voices like mine. And I, I've gotten many times that I have a more European style voice. So I knew that, you know, Simon would probably pick up on my artistry at a young age. And luckily he did. And uh, he he was so nice to me. And a lot of people, you know, I know he has the stigma that he's not, uh, you know, very nice. But mm-hmm. when you know him, he's a very nice guy. And he's pretty down to earth. And he actually has a really awesome sense of humor. So it was good to get to work with him. And it was good to know that I was working with someone who, although, was positive toward me could have totally been negative if he you know felt need yeah he could have destroyed you so thank god he didn't and I do think that he does a lot of it for ratings as well do you yeah I mean I think it's honesty but he's a little bit more brutal because it's like hey that's what gets people to watch that's true um but I think that obviously he has dedicated his life to finding true talent and so I'm glad that it works out with you because you are true talent oh thank you so you had the success and then what happened thereafter So I was voted off in the top six. And after the show, you're pretty much thrown off of the big stage into the music industry that you've never been in before. The the show is the television industry. It's very different. So I remember getting voted off and there's almost this silence in my life. Like it felt like all this commotion just came to a dead halt. Mm -hmm. And I had no idea... I mean, I had never written a song before. I had never done anything having to do with the music industry, but just, you know, performing locally in my town. And so at first it feels a little bit dead until your phone starts ringing and producers and writers and, um, you know, celebrities and different people are calling, asking to work and asking to do all of these things that I had never done before. I remember one of the first encounters that I had was I bumped into uh, one of the members of the band Daughtry actually just on the street, like totally Whoa. on the street, bumped into each other. And he goes, oh, I've actually been meaning to contact you. I really want to work with you. And I, we ended up working together and actually are both in Nashville today, still working together on my new record that's coming out. So it's just crazy how things got silent for a minute and then it just all unravels. And here I am today totally I mean, in the music industry, and you just don't expect it to happen like that. You don't ex- expect to just be so successful pretty much overnight. But that's what, you know, comes with being on a show and being before the world's eyes. Yeah, that's like the only example of overnight success is when you go on one of those shows, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. really. Yeah. <laughs> but the truth is you've been working for it your whole life until you were 14, right? Because you were singing on your own and I'm sure you were. Absolutely. Dreaming yeah. of it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's overnight success, but it's also overnight self-made success because you, you know, you could ride on the coattails of a show for for a little while, but you know, five years later, you got to figure out who you are now currently. And so it was really for that for me was I've written, you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of songs until I found my sound uh, just about a year ago is when I truly found my sound and 
found myself as an artist, not just the girl from the show, but, you know, who Drew is as an artist. And, uh, you know, since then I've been touring nonstop. I did over 150 shows last, uh, in the last two years. So just touring nonstop and becoming myself as an artist. That's amazing. And so you were thrown into the public eye at such a young age. So when did the haters start to come out? You know, they do say the definition of, of success is when you first get your first bad review, right? Yep. So it is a symbol of success, but it can be absolutely hurtful. Well, but wait, let's clarify bullying and, and nasty Facebook or tweet uh, Facebook messages or tweets are not in my opinion like re- legitimate reviews they're oh just, not at all they're just trolls, they're just trolls. yeah they're just a-holes so when did the trolls find you well it's it's interesting because when you're on the show you're in this bubble away from the real world you know you don't you're not really interacting with anyone but the television industry and uh, it's only until you sneak away you know in the dead of night and read comments under your YouTube video or you know read um, comments under your photos and stuff that you realize that there are regular you know people living their everyday life but also obsessing over you know, people from shows. And for me, that was thousands and thousands of people. And unfortunately, because I was young, and like we said before, totally kind of in my awkward stages, and a little bit fearless, um, I was getting a lot of bullying. And I was getting a lot of, as you guys said, trolls, but they were from all over the world. It wasn't just the US. That's where I was surprised to see it was that I mean, these people were everywhere. I mean, they were all over the world watching my life and judging my life. And it got pretty bad. And it wasn't until after the show when that silence happened that I realized that there were a lot of people who didn't like me. And I did feel like maybe I should give up because I was a kid and I hadn't ever done anything like this before. And I didn't know people were judging me. And I, you get this kind of embarrassment that you've, you know, like embarrassed yourself in front of the world. Yeah. You put yourself out there. Yeah. So so this started when you were still on the show. Yes. Okay. Cyberbullying was huge when I was on the show. Um, it, I didn't have social media beforehand. Um, and I was getting so many followers because the X Factor was brand new in the U.S. So everyone was interested in judging this brand new show. And mm-hmm. uh, people love to be kind of the at-home judge. They're the at-home Simon Cowell. You know, what What could they say to, uh, you know, make themselves seem like they know something about music? Right. So. Unfortunately, a lot of them were hiding behind, you know, fake names and stuff like that. So the reviews that they were giving, like you said, were not legit reviews. The things that they were saying were knocking pretty much anything they could about a person. And, you know, that person was me. (laughs) Yeah. And why do you think people people do that? Because they're bored. They're lonely. Like, where does this come from? A place of jealousy? Yeah, I mean, in the last um, two years, I decided to dedicate a big portion of my life to anti-bullying. And it was because of that question. It was because I I was honestly curious, um, in what part of someone's life do they feel the need to cut other people down, especially people that they, you know, don't know. And so I've been doing a lot of anti-bullying work. I do um, an anti-bullying tour as often as I can. And we go to schools and we talk to kids about bullying, because I think, I think it really stems from their own insecurity and maybe the way that they've been treated and it's become a snowball effect and everyone in order to keep their head above water feels the need to treat each other like that. Mm -hmm. And because I was on TV, you know, it shocks kids often. They don't think about it. You know, they're thinking about their kids in their school doing it. But for me, it was, you know, thousands or to millions of people. And so I can really relate to how these kids are bullying or being bullied, but on a huge scale. And I remember, you know, there's a time when you're young and one person can make one comment and it can cut so deep and you can carry that for years. So how did you not carry the hurt? Or do you carry it? Or did you carry it at first? I've carried it for a long time. And there are still days where sometimes it creeps up on me because a lot of the things that people point out are things that I'm already insecure about. I remember Mm -hmm. uh, I would get often, you know, people made fun of my teeth or, you know, things like that, that I had horse teeth or they made fun of my mom and just stuff that you don't you don't forget about that stuff. You can't, you know, wake up one day and forget that someone said it. And so I think that's one of the biggest reasons I got involved with anti-bullying is because the only way that I could bring myself back up from all of that was to be able to use my story to help other, especially girls, because, you know, girls have so many insecurities. But the way to bring myself back up was to share my story, to share that they're not alone. And that, 
you know, for them, they look at me like, oh, she's so, you know, she's a star and she's beautiful and she has everything. She could never feel the feelings I felt. And then when I break it down for them that I feel exactly what they feel, it's, it opens their eyes to think maybe I'm beautiful too then. Maybe I'm a star too. Maybe people look at me the way that I looked at her, you know, that she's so great. And so really it's that. It's just breaking it down for these girls that it's not you. It's it's the person who's saying it. You know, you're not the problem and there's nothing wrong with you. I love that so much. And it's almost like it's a positive projection when we look to people and we say, oh, they're so beautiful. Oh, they're so talented and think like maybe I'm not like that. But if you can recognize it in another person, it means that you are that you are capable of exactly what they are capable of. And so I feel like just to put that in their minds to remind them like, okay, you are beautiful. You are smart. You can do anything you want in this world at a young age is so important because if we don't realize these things at a young age, we'll carry that for our whole lives and be self-destructive. I want to share with you guys and our listeners um, a phrase that I learned from a a coach, which is, what other people think of me is none None of of my my business. business. (laughs) Or someone think. (laughs) And, and, (laughs) And that works, I think, both ways, because especially for performers, like, even if you have, even if you're riding high and you get great reviews and everybody loves you and your album selling or whatever kind of art you're in, and then that that's never going to sustain itself co- constantly. I mean, for very, very, very few people in terms of performing arts, does that just, they're just going up and up and up and they never crash or they never have a plateau. Or even in life, you know, you're never going to please everybody. Yeah. Um, all you should really be concentrating on is loving yourself and that'll carry you through the good and the bad. Yeah, I love that because anything they think about you is a reflection of what they think about themselves. And so it does not, it doesn't really have anything to do with you, to be honest. It doesn't. But that's a hard concept to grasp. It is, especially for Drew, who was seeing comments as a teenager under her YouTube video. I mean, just. Or kids that are bullied. Yeah. Yeah. How horrible can you be? I mean, I think it's even more cowardly. It's one thing to be a kid in school and everybody's seen the, the, their school bully or bullies, right. right? I think it's a lot worse than when I was in school. I think so too. I think it's gotten worse. It's gotten way worse, especially on social media. But then to have someone, like you said, Drew, on the other side of the world that doesn't know <laughs> you, yeah. not from your country, uh, <laughs> ripping you apart is just, that is next level cowardice absolutely and sad it is really about them it's either they're jealous that they never took the took the leap to try to sing themselves or write or do whatever whatever it is that they're so angry about that they have to focus it on a 14 year old girl in america trying to make her dreams come true like right (laughs) horrible okay i have another quote for you girls see if either of you know this one okay this is by eleanor roosevelt and she said no one can make you feel inferior without your Your consent oh i was gonna say permission you're close (laughs) (laughs) but it's the same thing and it's like okay how much of this of course you can at the beginning when you're first like victimized or whatever be the victim be sad be angry but then let it go don't let them make you feel anything yeah yep Easier said than done, I think. Absolutely. Okay, so you have a TED Talk, and it's really cute, and you sing, and it's really good, and you say, when you dream ridiculous, expect ridicule. Can you tell us a little bit about what that means? Yeah, so the concept for that TED Talk was, I mean, the theme for the whole entire day was, you know, having ridiculous dreams. And for me, having ridiculous dreams came with a lot of hardship, and, you know, I don't I don't want people to go into their big dream expecting it to be just this wild, crazy, like amazing ride. They also have to understand that if your dream is huge, then the ridicule that comes with it will also be huge. You know, the ridicule is about the size of the dream. So I um, came up with the talk really, it was the breaking point in my life just right before then when I realized that you know, I could use all of that ridicule to empower my life and that I could use that ridicule to write music, to become the person I want to be and to prove them wrong, to prove these people wrong, that thought that they could maybe force me to give up or force me to stop being the person that I was. And so it's just about, you know, giving people just a place to know that anyone who has a big goal or anyone who's ever gone after something has dealt with ridicule too, that you're not the first person who is going through that. Absolutely. And I think like what you said about making, you know, these young girls feel like they're not alone because you've been through it too is really important. And the more times, you know, celebrities or people in the public eye can, can say things about whether it's bullying or something else that 
uh, young people are feeling, then it makes them feel less alone and it makes them think like, okay, I can conquer this too. So I think it's really important. What advice would you give to someone, whether it's someone young or someone, you know, you can get bullied as an adult and it might come in the form of a boss treating you poorly. It might come in the form of a husband, wife, sister, brother, family member. It might come in the form of a toxic friend. So what advice do you give to people to really say like, okay, here's what you can do right now in this moment if you think that you're being bullied? The advice that I usually give to people is to really to know your capabilities. You can't allow people to decide your capabilities for you. Um, The only person in charge of your life is you. Um, although sometimes it can feel, you know, especially if it were a spouse or especially if it was your boss, someone who does have some authority in your life or does have, you know, a say in your life, but to know your own capabilities and then to, to constantly remind yourself that there isn't anyone who's worth less. Um, a lot of people feel very worthless and I always break down that word as there is nobody who is worth less than someone else. So the person that you look up to has no more worth than you and you have no less worth than them. So, you know, it's, it's to find inspiration somewhere and realize that anybody, it goes back to anybody who has a, has a goal or has a dream has dealt with the same ridicule and has dealt with, you know, the similar hardships that you're going through. So it's really just to push through. And I, it's hard to say that. And I, I find it really hard to say that, especially to younger girls, um, because they think, you know, a lot of the time what's in front of you feels like the end of the world. Like it really, it truly does. Even if it's, you know, just your best friend treating you poorly or, you know, your parent or whoever it might be. And so I find it hard to say, just push through, but it's true. Because the girl who, you know, I was, who was walking red carpets, was also going home feeling like the smallest person in the world. And so, you know, remember that, that everybody is going through it and that you are not alone in it. And to find like-minded people and to find people who can hold you up through it and you can hold them up in return. And I think as kids, it's really hard to do this. But as an adult, for me, what I've done in the past is... I say to myself, okay, in the relationship with this person, can we heal it? Can we talk about this so that it stops? Or do I need to completely cut this person out? And I know it would be hard if it was your mom or a close family member, but I've cut two people out of my life because we couldn't heal it and their actions and their words were very um, toxic to me. And so I cut them out. And I think it's okay to give your permission to let people go in your life if you have a relationship that is you know, voluntary. Absolutely. It's, it really takes a a sense of fearlessness to be able to say that the person's not bad, but they might be bad for you. Mm -hmm. Or, you know, maybe the person is bad, you know, it it doesn't really matter. Um, It's not that you are just writing that person off and hoping for the worst for them. It's that you're hoping for the best for them, hoping for the best for you. And in doing that, it might be cutting them out of your life. And in doing that, it might be um, moving on. And there's nothing there's nothing wrong with that. There's no guilt or shame in doing that. And so that's what it really comes down to, too, for especially for younger girls or girls who haven't maybe gone through that yet, is there isn't shame in deciding for your life that maybe someone or something isn't good for your life. And there it's it's not that you're, you know, being the bully in return for that. It's just that you just have to make that decision for yourself. And and there's nothing wrong with that. Absolutely. And so let's move into health and wellness. So you have an extremely busy career, an extremely busy life. How do you keep balance? How do you stay healthy? It's hard. It's really hard. (laughs) (laughs) I like your honesty. (laughs) I know. I was was talking to uh, someone earlier today talking about, you know, that I was coming to talk to you guys and that you guys do a lot on health and and wellness, and that sometimes my health and wellness comes down to a late Taco Bell run in the middle of the night because I've been on tour, you know, for a month. But mm-hmm. um, I, I really do try to eat healthy, and um, it's it does a lot when you're on tour if you're eating healthy. I it's hard to explain, but the feeling of going on stage with a stomach full of just gross food or just food that's heavy, it it feels awful. And your stamina is completely gone. It doesn't even matter how, how often you work out at that point on tour. It's like, I mean, it makes or breaks a performance. I know that a lot of the time I don't eat right before I go on stage for that reason, because there's something about the heaviness of a lot of the time, if it's fast food and a lot of touring musicians don't eat healthy because you can't always carry fresh fruit with you or, you know, something like that. Mm -hmm. But, um, you can't control I, where you are. Yeah. 
But you know what I do? It's kale everything. I love kale. I do too. <laughs> Yay, kale. I eat bowls of kale like raw with lemon juice and olive oil for dinner. Like I'm that crazy about kale. My husband looks at me like you're a lunatic. I love I love kale. A lot of people don't like the taste of it, but I'm the same thing. I'll put olive oil and that is good for me. Like that is that is a good meal. That tastes restaurant quality to me. <laughs> well, kale is a great one. I mean, it's a superfood. I know I put it in smoothies and I don't love the taste as much as you and Susie do, but <laughs> I will mix it into salad. I love it. And smoothies. I'm really actually salivating until. thinking about it. And I was at the store yesterday. I'm like, oh, I haven't had kale in a while. I'm pretty sure I have. So maybe I'll make us a kale salad <laughs> after this. <laughs> All right, ladies, let's take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk to Roxy Flo about helping Drew produce her song, Empire. Before we get to that, we want to tell you about best-selling author and Cooking Channel TV's host, Jason Robel's new online class, which will help you create more balance and peace in your crazy, busy, sexy life. Allie, did you know that only 8% of people stick to their New Year's resolutions? I knew because you told me. No, I think you wrote it. But <laughs> <laughs> I think Jason wrote it. I think Jason wrote it. <laughs> Thanks, but Jason. But it's true. And that's usually because you simply don't have the right tools or direction to make those changes stick. It can be hard to find the right balance. You're leading a crazy busy life, and it's easy to fall back into old habits, ignoring your body, forgetting to meditate, and falling back on unhealthy food. But you know how amazing you feel when you really do take care of yourself? You naturally have more passion, focus, energy, and joy in your life. I mean, that's so true. It's true. Can we pause? That's ridiculously true. Yeah. And it's taking that moment and going, I'm going to make this change today. I'm going to make it tomorrow. And I'm going to make it the next day. And not beating yourself up if you slip. Yes. So true. And being positive about it. And once you start to feel better, you don't want to slide back into those unhealthy habits. It's true. I just started exercising again um, really like every day. Yeah, me too. Like going for five days a week at least. Me too. And even if it's 20 minutes and I feel better. Yeah. I feel more powerful. And even if I skip a day, I don't fall into that pit of, oh, I messed up, so just I'm going to eat a pie. No, I just go, okay, well, then can I do sit-ups? Yeah. Can I go for a walk? Can I schedule in a half-hour workout tomorrow? Yeah, absolutely. And onward we go. So the good news is that even if you have already stumbled a bit with your resolutions, it's never too late to start again. Because it's not about making big changes in January alone. It's about shifting your small daily habits to create lasting changes over time. So if you're ready to improve your relationship with food, fitness, and mindfulness, we've got something you're going to love. Our good friend Jason Robel's three-part video series, My Healthy Hustle at MyHealthyHustle.com is the perfect solution to help you switch your habits and create balance and peace in your busy life. That's right. You're going to learn how to move beyond calorie counting and food obsession. Simplify your meals and maximize your nutrients. Unleash the power of plant-based healing to help you hustle healthier. Create effective daily workouts and avoid overtraining. One simple mindset shift that instantly makes exercise easy. I love that one. Mm-hmm. Building an empowered body and reviving your life force. Mastering the mind through applied neuroscience. I want to hear more about that. Demystify mindfulness and use meditation to reduce stress. And use your mind to create more empowering choices in your life. With Jason's tips, you'll be able to make healthier food choices, learn simple fitness routines, and daily mindfulness practices that will reduce your stress and increase your inner peace. Get ready for a happy, healthy, and nourished 2017. And of course, use coupon code FOODHEALS at checkout and you will receive a bonus gift from us. Yep, if you take Jason's class, you will receive an ebook from us, The Vitality Cleanse. She's singing, you know it's good. You know it's good. It will teach you how to do a cleanse, which will help you release toxins, feel better, lose weight, and of course, look great. <laughs> Go to MyHealthyHustle.com, use the code FOODHEALS at checkout. You will not regret it. You are listening to the Food Hills Podcast. Make sure to subscribe, rate, and review us on iTunes. And I don't know why we never had that world. Don't want to be obsessive because I'm not that girl. But I don't know why. I still want to try. Yeah. I wish that we could be alone like we used to. Wish I felt you in my bones like I used to. Wish I could explain. I wish you broke the same. Just go on. Don't move on too long. 
All right, Food Heals Nation, we're back with Drew, and we've got Roxy here. And Roxy, you booked Drew for us because you guys have an amazing connection, which is part of the reason that I originally found and hired Roxy to produce this podcast was because I heard that song that we just played a little snippet from, which is called Empire. So ladies, tell us about that process of creating this song, the songwriting, the producing. How did it all come about? Um, on my end, we, we had a mutual friend, his, uh, had, sorry, we have a mutual friend. He's <laughs> <laughs> still cut out. He's gone now. Yeah, no, no. Uh, shout out to Craig who had linked us up. Personally for me, I, I was in a funk mentally and I now look at it as one of the biggest impressions of my life. Um, and at the time, Drew had no idea. I, I just met her, you know, it, writing for anyone is kind of an awkward situation at first because you're put in a room with a new producer, a new songwriter, new artist. You guys don't know each other. And you guys are expected to write a song about really deep personal things. I had never met her before this day we were in the studio together. But I don't know, Drew, I kind of felt the same energy from you too, of kind of like the story of unrequited love that we were both kind of experiencing at the time. Yeah. Um, And it was, it consumes you. I mean, that session in general, I mean, when you experience something about love not being returned the way that you want it to be in a relationship, especially, it really consumes you in a way that it makes you question yourself, uh, your self-worth. And being in the room together with Drew, I felt that in the energy. We had a third songwriter. Shout out to Tova. What up, Tova? Uh, (laughs) And she was an incredible, incredible songwriter, a big help in the process for both of us. For me and Drew, I feel like it was us ranting back and forth about that person we had in mind, (laughs) back and forth. And and Tova was nice enough to arrange it in a nice, melodic way, take out all the the pieces of our rant and, uh, and put it together for us you know melodically and help us lyrically on the song as well so um i I felt like for me and drew we kind of had the same energy uh the same experience it's one of my favorite songs lyrically just feels like it's really in the pocket and we really nailed that feeling yeah i agree that session was i was in probably the hardest just the hardest point of my life so far at that time and i remember being a little bit intimidated working with two girls i often am in the studio with with guys and it's easier for me to you know, I'm, I'm the only girl, it's easy. But when I heard that I was doing a session with two females, I was embarrassed a little bit to open up because girls are always in some sort of like competition. And I was afraid to be vulnerable and be honest that, you know, I'm not in a good point. I don't want to write some happy, like happy love song. I want to write something close to my heart. And I remember walking in the room and instantly feeling like you guys were my sisters. Like I could totally just vent to you guys and, and open up to you guys. And yeah, it was totally like a little therapy sesh for, for Roxy and I, for sure. Totally. I felt it in the room for sure. For sure. And, um, we came out with the most, probably the most beautiful song I've ever written. And I'm not one to really be positive, like and super stoked on something that I came up with myself just because, you know, it's like my own work, but I felt like that song and still today, I feel like that song is just one of the most beautiful, lyrical, just amazing songs ever of all time. I think it's just such an honest song. And I think that's what, that's what people want to hear, especially if they are going through something difficult, like, you know, we were going through when we wrote it. And so I don't know, I just, I think that song has probably the most special place in my heart from the record that I released just because it was the most honest I had ever been in a session. And it was the most, it was the most real and just exactly what I was going through kind of song. Absolutely. And I agree. It was a sort of therapy for me, at least. It felt like it was saying what I wanted to say to that person. And you girls, like Susie and I always talk about, okay, food heals, obviously, is our podcast. We talk about love heals, meditation, loving yourself. How does music heal our souls? It sounds like it was very therapeutic for both of you. Oh, art in general. Yeah, art and shit. Music, art. How does it heal the soul? I think the reason that music heals is probably because you're saying things that are your thoughts, but not something that would ever really be your words. You know, it's not something that you'd walk up to somebody and say, and you can't, you know, it's like in a movie, there's always that background music to whatever someone's saying. And music is that it's because of the melody. It's because of the lyrics and the honesty that you're able to say something that wouldn't be a conversation. It wouldn't be something that, you know, I wouldn't have walked up to that person and said all that we said in that song. Absolutely. uh, (laughs) End of friendship, end of everything. If I were to say that exact thing to them. Totally. (laughs) And you know what, what's funny, and this is like totally 
like on the DL, but you know, everyone will know after I say it now, but, um, I wrote this song, um, with you about my current love of my life. And so I wrote it because there was, Ooh, you're in trouble. <laughs> oh my gosh. Okay. Go on. There was so much that I couldn't say to him. And there was so much that I wanted to say, but at the time didn't feel like I was close enough to him to say. And I know that he heard the song and immediately knew it was for him and, and kind of knew what my heart wanted to say, but not, you know, what I could ever have just you know, told him and, uh, we're together now. And that song, maybe that's why it has such a good place in my, my heart is just because I know that there was a time when I dreamed of being with this person and thought it would never happen. And, you know, I'm building that with this person now. And so it's just, it's just crazy what music can do and just, it is healing and it healed our relationship a little bit. And, um, you know, here I am today, a lone survivor. <laughs> That's so interesting. Okay, hold up, Food Hill Station. Uh, that guy that Drew is talking about was in the studio with us. Was that weird for you? I mean, I feel like if, if my person was in the studio, I would feel really I odd. would like, clamp up. Yeah, I would just not feel creative. I would just start crying, especially in the emotional state that I was in during that time. So how did that make you feel, Drew? He was totally in the room. He was there most of the time. Yeah, he was. It, if every time he walked out of the room, I felt like I could be a little bit more honest with you guys. Um, part of it too was at the time I wanted him to see that I was putting in all of my efforts and I was putting in everything that I had into wanting to be with him. And so it was really hard. And I, like I said, I was in like the, the saddest place I've ever been. And um, it was hard. We worked together. So, you know, he came to the, the session and he was there, but I wasn't going to let that stop me. And for some people, music is that last chance. And for me, that's what it was. It was just if I could write about you and you hear it and you feel it too, then we might end up together. And it actually worked. It is a fairy tale ending. So <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's, that's great. Pretty I, amazing. I mean, I do stalk you guys on social media and I see you guys, you guys seem happy. The empire is building. I love it. I love seeing you guys move forward and, and all the progression you guys have been making together. Yeah. <laughs> and I just think that music and arts, like Susie said, just does have the ability to heal even if it's one song at a time or like one movie at a time that moment when you're watching that movie and you connect with that character and you just start bawling it's the best feeling absolutely yeah well what i was gonna say earlier is it's it's the human like art touches people because we're all human and usually i don't i don't know anybody that's never had their heart broken oh i was gonna say are you referring to the dogs like music heals them too Oh, yeah. That's true. That's a different conversation. (laughs) But if we go to a movie, even if we've never been through the exact circumstance um, that the characters are going through, we can still understand, hey, they're feeling sad or they lost, you know. Loss. they have loss or they have love or they have success and then they have failure. and, And it's because we all go through that at certain points. And it evokes, it reminds us of that and it kind of allows us to live it out without having to go through it or or opposite especially over heartbreak or unrequited love where it lets us process it and not feel alone about it. It's another example of not feeling alone. Even if you see a movie or a television character going through something and you don't have Drew to come to your high school and say, hey, I've been through this. And that's why people love their certain actors or musicians or, or soap songwriters <laughs> or soap operas because it reflect they feel like they're ref- it's reflecting them yeah absolutely right? and for me growing up there are these beautiful albums that I love and hearing these albums and whatever feeling that I was going through it was just good to know that somebody out there even somebody famous is going through the same feelings that you are going through the same situations that you are and now for me uh, being on the producing and songwriting end it's a beautiful thing to be able to give back to people who are going through tough situations um, especially a song like Empire I just want people to know that you know other people have these feelings too it's okay to have these feelings and it's something else that we need to overcome absolutely Mm -hmm. so drew we're gonna wrap up in a minute and give you lots of shameless self-promotion but i just want to ask you one last question who are some of your idols in the music industry who are some people that you really look up to oh man the question (laughs) (laughs) um I look up to so many different musicians for different reasons. Uh, one of my favorite musicians of all time was Prince. Um, yeah. I think Prince just paints, he paints a picture every time he's on stage, paints a picture every time he had ever written a song. Um, I love Prince. I love, um, I mean, if we're talking about, you know, artists who have passed, Prince is definitely just 
my favorite of all time. Um, but current artists, I really like, oh, I mean, the list goes on. I think that I like anyone who's willing to put real lyrics out there and put real melody out there. And it doesn't have to do with what the industry's asking, but it has to do with, you know, what they feel similar to like, you know, just similar to how Roxy and I wrote our song, but someone who's willing to just put it all out there. And I, I feel that Michael Jackson probably, I mean, goes in that too, is just writing just shameless music yeah, and, and putting music out there. That's amazing. It's interesting that a lot of artists start with a certain kind of music and then it completely changes. And I have two examples that I've witnessed where when Lady Gaga came out, everyone was like, oh my God, Lady Gaga. And I was like, this shit sucks. Okay. I hated it. <laughs> I hated it. I was like, God, Dang. this is God awful. Now I'm obsessed with her because she finally was able to sing from her heart. She writes amazing lyrics. So she has the most amazing voice. But when she first came out, you could barely hear her voice. Mm-hmm. You know, it just sounded like another club pop song that I didn't want to hear. And now I'm obsessed with her. Like, I, I love her. She has definitely evolved many she times, She has evolved, yes. But Didn't like, she come out with a country album? It's kind of like Anne, a sort of. country-esque. Yeah, yeah it's kind of got like that. this throwback 80s vibe to it. There's and, one and it's song. beautifully written. I, I love the last album. I love all colors of Gaga. And I think her music <laughs> grew, just like you said. Yeah. And I think that's okay, you know. And Lady Gaga's last album is so beautifully written. And there's something about just not writing something for the label or for the audience that they necessarily want to hear. It's just writing what you're going through at that time. And whenever you do that in the studio, it's so in the pocket, it's so real, it's so raw, and you just nail it. And I think that's what Lady Gaga did on her last album. I I agree. I I love Lady Gaga's latest stuff. And it's not just because I love like the sound of it or anything like that. It's because I love that I can hear her authenticity in it yes, versus, right. you know, versus her stuff before. And yeah, I mean, her stuff before was, you know, totally bumping and at parties. It was great. But this record, especially her song, Million Reasons from the record. Oh, so oh my good. Gosh. <laughs> I taught myself that on the piano, you guys. Gosh, I heard the first chord of that. And I was just like, oh, this is going to be real. <laughs> this is going to be real. <laughs> Me too. I remember I was freaking out when I first heard the song. Same. I was like, this is what I would have written. I yeah, know. exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right, let's wrap up. Thank you so much for being here, Drew. We really appreciate it. Thanks for hopping on the mic, Roxy. Drew, where can everyone find you online, stalk you on Instagram, follow you on Twitter, all that good stuff? My website is therealdrew.com and you can find all of my social media, my merchandise, all of my music, uh, which is on, you know, Amazon, um, Spotify, iTunes, pretty much anywhere you can find music. Uh, and then the easiest social media to find me on because my last name is incredibly long and very hard to spell. Uh, -hmm. but the easiest social media is my Instagram, which is just drew official. So you can find all my pictures there and I typically do follow back. So when, if people follow me, um, and I happen to be online, I'll usually follow them back just because I love to stalk my fans pictures. I mean, let's be real. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I followed you yesterday. So I'll be expecting a follow back. (laughs) Perfect. A bunch of likes. (laughs) Just yes. kidding. But yeah, you can follow me um, on my website, therealdrew.com, my Instagram, Drew Official, um, and then everything else. If you can spell my last name, you'll totally win an award. I don't know what that award would be, but <laughs> <laughs> hard to spell. Um, but yeah, you can find me pretty much anywhere. And I always tell people, if, if you couldn't find me online, type in Drew X Factor, and everything from the time I was 14 until now will come up. So oh, good. <laughs> All right. Can you leave us with a tweetable? Yes. My tweetable for everybody is fearlessly be yourself. Beautiful. All right. Tweet it to us at Food Heals Nation. We'll see you next time. Thanks, Drew. Thanks, Roxy. Thank you, Drew. Thanks, guys, for having me. Same, just go on, don't move on too long. 
statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This podcast is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Side effects of this podcast may include increased health and vitality, thoughts of living longer, developing a more positive outlook on life. In rare cases, women have experienced a strong desire to change their status update from hashtag blessed to hashtag OMG even more blessed than yesterday, hashtag loving life. If you experience any of these symptoms, make sure to tweet to Kardashian immediately. (laughs) 